What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout. I am the CMO of W2O Group and the host of the What to Know podcast show. And today I am thrilled to have uh, someone that I have admired. I was lucky enough to meet a few years ago. Um, almost a namesake, different pronunciation, but uh, Chef Aron Sanchez, he's an award-winning chef, TV personality, cookbook author, and philanthropist. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chef. No, thank you for having me, Aron. I'll call you my way, and you call me Aaron. How about that? <laughs> I love it. So I, I did want to jump in and just talk a little bit about you know how you get started. I like to get into the background of all the guests we talk to. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I know you started, I think at a very young age, um, you happened to have a mother, uh, Zarela, who, um, you know, was also a chef, uh, still is a chef. You know, I think I've actually seen her on the Food Network before. Uh, she wrote cookbooks. You have a grandmother um, uh, who's also a chef and a cookbook author. So I have to ask, you know, were you the one that was kind of tugging at her uh, skirt and asking if you could be in the kitchen or did she drag you into the kitchen early days and, and get you to follow in the footsteps? That's a great question. You know, for me, it started obviously um, at home. Like most good cooks, I think we always gravitate towards the kitchen. Um, and then in my case, it was very much a matriarchal household. Uh, all of it started with grandma, my mama. She grew up in a cattle ranch in Mexico. And there was uh, this beautiful opportunity to cook for their families. And my mom is one of four sisters. And all my tias are unbelievable cooks. So my mom grew up in a cattle ranch in the 50s and 60s, kind of being surrounded around food and the kiln and the, the hearth and all that. So then for, for when she kind of came to El Paso, Texas early on, married my father, you know, she had a catering business and then it was also a social worker. So we would help out in the catering business as, a, as young children, my sister, my brothers, and that kind of where I was bit with the bug initially. And then growing up in New York City and growing up in a restaurant household, you know, my mom wasn't around a lot at night. So we were kind of left to our own devices and that created bad habits. And like, you know, like most unattended teenagers, <laughs> I got into a little bit of trouble and was incorrigible. Um, and then I, I went into a, to kitchens initially as a way of discipline and structure, to be very honest. Because um, you have to, you have to, you know, remember at that time it wasn't glorified and, and, the way it is nowadays, it was kind of a, a refuge for miscreants and, and misfits. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm assuming you're able to apply some of those lessons. We'll get into it a little bit later, but I know some of the nonprofit work you do, I think you follow that pattern, right, of using the, the kitchen as a place of structure for, you know, some of the folks that maybe uh, are less privileged and maybe a little more inclined to get into trouble. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's great organizations out there like CCAP. Uh, Richard Grossman in New York City does an unbelievable job of identifying young kids at risk and giving them a future in the kitchen. Um, yeah, so th there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. But yeah, I needed that at that age. Big time. We probably, we probably all uh, <laughs> could use that kick in the pants. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the things I did find fascinating was uh, I think both, if I did my research correctly, you and your mother were both mentored by Chef Paul Prudhomme, which was pretty cool. I, I don't know as I need mm -hmm. to explain him. He's one of the most famous chefs out there and kind of was launched before the Food Network and everybody else got there. But um, 
talk a little bit about that and and you know were you i know he uh passed away a couple of years ago but were you able to mm-hmm. stay in touch with him and maybe talk about some of the lessons you learned um spending some time mentoring under oh oh i mean do you have about two hours i mean <laughs> we do like all the time in the world he was he was somebody that was so special to me so uh necessary for my formation for my development as a cook as a person as a man he just was the kind of person that just taught lessons in everything he said he just was so profound um he taught me how to taste you know he 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 reminded me that food is multi-layered and you know an ingredient is not just what it seems it has many different expressions and and you know, when you apply traditional cooking techniques to it, it becomes something different. So he was just magical in that way. You know, he told, I asked him one time, one of the coolest things he ever said to me was, I said, Chef, how can you come up with all the seasonings? You know, he had this seasoning line called Magics. And I asked him, and he goes, you know, when I was a boy growing up in Appaloosas, Louisiana, you know, chicken was truly free range, son. You know, the chicken would eat the sassafras that dried up and the lemon peels and the satsuma that would dry up. So the chicken really t- tasted like something. And he goes, nowadays with mass-produced poultry and meats in general, it doesn't taste like anything. So he wanted to reintroduce nature back into the product by way of the seasonings. Isn't that so wise, you know? That is to crazy. That and that totally makes sense, and I never <laughs> would have thought of that. Yeah, and he he just – that's one of the, the, the many lessons he taught me. He – uh, he's actually the reason that I moved to New Orleans uh, and, and make this my home currently because when he passed three years ago, he visited me in a dream. He said, I need you to come to New Orleans and live and sort of carry on the legacy that I've left behind. So wow. it was very, you know, very ephemeral, very pretty intense. That's powerful. That, that's very cool. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so I do want to related to this. You know, you, you do have a restaurant uh, or a chain of restaurants, you know, not a chain, but I guess you have a few of the Johnny uh, Sanchez yeah. restaurants. Uh, you're on TV regularly, Chop, Chop Jr., um, Fox's Master Chef and Master Chef Jr. One of the things, like I said, you know, as we were prepping for the call that I love about you is you're very active on social media. So, one, how do you find time to be engaged meaningfully in places like Twitter, or Facebook and, and Instagram? Well, first of all, you, you date a millennial like I am doing right now. That's that's probably a good start. <laughs> and uh, and it, yeah, but no, it just you know, there's an old saying like if you don't evolve and you don't get with the times, you're going to be left behind. You know, and social media, I think, is a, a great example of that. You know, if you if you ignore this unbelievable platform that's available, you're really just missing opportunities and I'm not a person that misses opportunities very often. So, um, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I got with my team. My team's like, do you open up a, a private account? Do you just have one account? Is one for the restaurant? La, la, la. And I'm just like, you know what? Let me just curate it the way I think is cool. Let's sprinkle in and pepper in enough food, enough personal stuff, you know, supporting my other colleagues and peers that are chefs, you know, and, and really just trying to create something that, highlights all the different things that I find important, you know, and, and, and I think that, and people see through it, you know, I I think social media like television is a great barometer. People can see through the BS and uh, there's no better way uh, to sort of continue to grow. 
Well, and you, yeah. you can tell that you think it's fun. And I, I think that what's nice is, you know, I, I only know you a teeny bit to, enough to be dangerous, but there is that fun mm-hmm. and the personality. And, you know, you use this word sometimes on the TV network, unctuous. And I don't know as though a lot of people use that. And the pictures you share, <laughs> like, I can't help but think of that when you're, you're sharing them. And, you know, the words you use are just so expressive. So, again, kudos for doing such an amazing yeah. job. Well, you know, it's funny because I, I learned this lesson from this gentleman named Lou Eckes, fantastic dude that he did media training with me like 20 years ago. And he did Emerald and Sarah Bolton and all these fantastic chefs and kind of just helped harness all the creative stuff we have kind of jumbling in our heads. And he said, you, you can't speak with useless mediators, meaning, um, oh, you know, this mac and cheese is fantastic. And you're like, fantastic. You're not really saying anything. What does that mean? But when right. you say this this mac and cheese is fantastic because I put three different kinds of cheese, Gruyere, Asiago, and a little bit of Parmesan, and each one of them have their own little thing going on. And then when I put in my fork and I have that little stretchy effect with the cheese, that's what makes me happy, and that's what's fantastic. You know what I mean? That's the difference between just saying something's fantastic. You know, you have to go to that next layer, peel back. And when you talk about food, it takes a long time to get good at it, you know, talking about it and not repeating yourself. So I have to ask you, do you have a favorite social platform? You are active on all three of those, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But uh, I know like for me, I'm sort of partial to posting on Instagram. I like the simplicity of it, but do you have a favorite? Yeah, I mean, I I use all three, I think, for different reasons. I think, you know, like for me, Facebook is really about engaging in video and teaching. And um, like, that's for me what Facebook's about. You know, like my grandmother, you know, right before she passed she was like love you know facebook and all my family in mexico stay in touch with me through facebook so that platform for me is more about teaching twitter is more about my 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 shows and you know different kind of uh tips that i want to give whether it's like a recipe or you know how to put together awesome fiesta you know that's what i use kind of twitter for and then instagram is just super visual and mostly restaurant food um and kind of like the whole food porn thing, you know what I mean? So that's kind mm. of how I use each one of those. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's an important distinction because uh, the people that do social well really understand it. I love <clears throat> just how clear you were in terms of your purpose and the audiences. And I mm. think some people think that they can post, you know, take the same post and put it up across all mm. three and it will do an equal job. And, you know, very often they're uh, not very good at any of them because of the fact that they don't discriminate. Yeah, I mean, and you know how important it is, Aaron, right now? I mean, it's unreal. I was talking to some folks in, in Hollywood and L.A., and they were saying to me, when a director is in love with an actor, two actors, for instance, and they're vying for a role, the way that they, you know, break the stalemate is through social media numbers. Like, that's that's how simple. Yeah. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah, like, no. It's, it, 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 and, it, and it's real. We, you can't avoid it. And it, it definitely matters. And at this day and age, and you know, you've written some books. That's what the publishers like. Yeah. They want to know, like, what are your social media you know, numbers yeah. look like? So um, I do yeah. want to ask another question, you know, somewhat related to social, <laughs> but I know er- earlier last year, you did a partnership or sponsorship with Miller Lite and Thrillist, and it was all about mm-hmm. grilling. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of it on Twitter, which is why that mm-hmm. made me think about it. But I know some people love those types of sponsorships. Some people sort of, you know, bristle a little bit and I'm not asking you to tell tales out of school, but 
how did that go? And, you know, what did you get out of that? And, and, you know, what made, how did you find those boundaries of, you know, you defining what you mm-hmm. wanted to put forward, but still learning what they were asking? Cause I felt like it was, it was still very authentic and you could really feel you come through, but I know that's not always an easy balance. Yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, anytime that I have a partnership with any big major brand, which I've done for 15 years, I always curate every element of the food um, portion of what we're doing or the campaign or anything. And I don't do anything that's ever uh, compromising my, my, uh, my brand or who I am as a chef and, and my integrity. It's just, it's not, it's not an option for me. So we carefully filter through these partnerships. A lot of the times there's a huge uh, philanthropy end of it where if I get with Miller Lite, guess what? They're going to put three Latino kids to culinary school on my scholarship. So for me, that's that's the goal, not the finance, you know, not the financial part of it. Um, So, you know, these big brands look, man, I I can tell you right now, I've been offered uh, seven figure commercials by many crappy Mexican outlets out there (laughs) to be their spokesperson. And I have turned them down one time after another. You know, and it's funny, like, you know, there's 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 a good buddy of mine, you know, Marcus Samuelson, and he, he said, you know, great thing, a major, a major hamburger brand, you know, came after him. And he said, look, I love your marketing strategy. I love your community outreach. I love every part of that, but I hate your product. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that is like how we make decisions, you know, based on, you know, you know, do they have the capacity to make something better? Are they going to take our, our, our advice, our tutelage, you know? And that's, those are decisions that we make, you know? And, hey, man, I'm taking full advantage of the American dream. And anybody in my position would do the same. So, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot and do things that are good for your family or good for giving back. That's, that, for me, is where it's all about. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I do yeah. want to ask you sort of a fun question. So that was serious, but uh, you did a show a few <laughs> years back with Roger Mooking, um, and it was yeah. called Heat Seekers. And I loved, mm-hmm. you, I love hot things, and I loved seeing you guys sort of try to outdo each other. Uh, so one, I am a little sad that that show uh, didn't last beyond, I don't know, maybe a couple of <laughs> seasons, but I have to ask you, like, what was the hottest thing you ever ate while you were doing that? And uh, what were the repercussions of that? Um, well, I mean, uh, it's funny because like my whole thing and my mission with my food is to explain to people that Mexican food is not hot. You know, it's not spicy. Yes, there's elements of that, you know, sprinkled through many traditional dishes depending on what, where you are in Mexico, but I wanted to kind of dispel the myth that all peppers are just blazingly hot and they also have a purpose. And I think, uh, in the hands of somebody that's skilled, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a beautiful outcome. But with that being said, we did taste, you know, the, the Naga Chile, which is like the second hottest pepper, the ghost pepper we tasted another one called the black Bamba. And these chiles are just, they just to put you on another level. It's it's you know to put it in perspective, like a chili a chili habanero is three hundred thousand on the Scoville meter. The yep. chile the the ghost pepper is a million, so it's three times hotter than the chile habanero. Just to put it in perspective, and we're tasting this stuff. 
So um, it was fun. There was a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of a novel thing at times, but it was really just about exploring different peppers, different ways of cooking it and having fun along the way. And I love doing the show with Roger. I think he's one of the most genuine, loving people you ever meet. He has this, he has this laugh and a smile that's infectious, uh, you know, and it's just, that's the way the business goes sometimes. People, we do shows, we'll do more shows, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. hopefully we'll see what sticks and, and what resonates. Yeah. Well, you, you could tell you guys had fun and uh, I enjoyed it during it. And like I said, I love spicy food, I guess related to mm -hmm. um, Food Network. One of the things that I was, as I was looking at your profile, I love that they did a 13 things that you might not know about Chefron. And, you know, there mm -hmm. were a couple that I wasn't shocked about, but one of them, especially given, you know, all the food you cook, all the food you have a, an opportunity to taste, uh, was about your last supper. And it was the last supper, mm -hmm. I think you mentioned, roasted chicken at the Zuni Cafe out in the Bay Area, which is where I live. Um, so one, I'm mm -hmm. going to try that now since clearly people get, but uh, I'd love to know, you know, for the listeners, what, what other thing might you share with them that maybe they don't know about you that they'd be surprised to hear? Um, well, I'm an SGI Buddhist, so I chant Nam Yehoden Gekyo, which means I dedicate myself to the mystic law of cause and effect. And it's a great Buddhism that's in 182 countries worldwide. And, you know, Tina Turner practices it and a bunch of different people love this Buddhism. So it's kind of my foundation. It centers me. I got married in the Buddhist ceremony. So, you know, that's something that's extremely important to me. I think we all need faith. And we need that to sort of comfort us and give us strength at times. So that's that for me. And then I guess the other one would be uh, is that I, I write poetry. Uh, I've always done that since I was young, and I kind of I, I, I kind of have that there with my with my uh, with my whole uh, you know spiritual way of thinking, you know, and and making people happy. Do you ever share the poetry publicly or? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm writing a new book, kind of like a little bit of a memoir, and then uh, I'm gonna make sure that I post, uh, that I post that stuff, you know, or I, I document a lot of my, uh, my poetry. I think it's important. I think if people follow you, they like you. There's nothing wrong with giving some insight, some that's intimate. No, I agree. Both of those are, are very cool, and thank you for sharing. Neither of them surprised me because of the fact that you do seem like a very spiritual, grounded person, and you have a way with words. So not not shocking that you uh, know how to write poetry. Good segue though, because one of the other segments I like to ask guests is about books. I do know that you're very busy. Mm -hmm. You've you know written a couple of uh, cookbooks. You're writing the memoir now, but I do like to give people the opportunity to share anything that they've read. Could be a cookbook, could be a business book, history book uh, that inspired them sometime over the last couple of years that you know, the audience can take and maybe um, helps them further their career or their thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anybody that's interested in Latin food or culture, I think should read a book that I'm actually sitting right next to me, which I bring with me everywhere. It's kind of my, my little catcher in the rye kind of inspiration. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a book called Gran Cocina Latina. And it's from a great uh, chef, uh, professor, unbelievable scholar of of the Latino culinary arts. Her name is Maricel Pesilla. Uh, she's a James Beard award-winning chef. She, she has restaurants in Hoboken, New Jersey, and she's a ex-professor uh, of Spanish antiquities. And she's this unbelievable 
force of nature, very similar to my mom, and has written this book that really, I think, captures Latin food in a beautiful snapshot and goes in really in depth into the regionality of it. And I read this book all the time to kind of just make sure that I'm, uh, you know, on point, making sure all my stuff is tight and I know what I'm talking about because it's just really, really in depth and beautiful and non-threatening. Wow. That's uh, that's very cool. Thank you uh, for sharing that as well. We'll have to include that in a link to the, the show. We put them up uh, on iTunes uh, as well as Stitcher and Spotify, but also on our blog. So we'll have to look that one up and make sure we include that. Last question. Um, it's about music. And part of why I'd love to hear your answer is uh, I know that one of the other 13 things people didn't know about you is if you weren't a chef, I think you said you'd be in a mariachi band. Uh, but I do like to ask mm -hmm. folks, if you're stranded on a deserted island, you have one album that you could listen to for the rest of your life. Who would that be and, and why? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I was this is always one of the hardest I mean, questions. Do, yeah, well, because, you know, it's like mariachi music. I listen when I'm having a good time or I'm sad. Or, you know what I mean? It's like, but yeah. if there's somebody that I would listen to, I mean, it's kind of an obvious one. I guess Prince. I just, you know, Prince has, he just does, he did such a great job of just, you know, touching you and hitting you at the heartstrings and yeah he was just such a obsessed he was such an obsessed artist i got to cook for prince um once and you know i did a little thing for house of blues you know nationwide and i got to cook for him and, and meet him and it just was an insane I, experience so I've, I've always loved prince but i've always wondered like you know is he a weirdo or is he a normal guy or is he nice cold uh yeah, he just, I mean, obviously, he's one of those people that's very hesitant about meeting new people, I would imagine. And he just, he's like his own, his own trip, you know what I mean? And it just was something very brief. Um, I can tell you that he liked vegetables a lot. So I cooked just <laughs> mainly veg. Cool. And, and that's kind of like, that was kind of his thing. So, but he, uh, he was real special. And so, yeah, I guess that would be it. Any, any greatest hits of Prince would be the one. That's a good call. You can do worse than that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chef. Um, this has been a real pleasure, and uh, I am looking forward to We are, just for people tracking along, next week you're going to see in Marketing Land a compilation of 20 predictions, mobile predictions. Chef and I are going to talk about this after, and he's going to give me one. He has a new venture called Cochina, which we have not talked about. Um, if I've got it right, mm -hmm. it's an online food destination dedicated to Latin lifestyle, very mobile-friendly um, but keep a, keep an eye out for that on marketing land, but chef, thank you so much. And, and thank you for sharing your time. I really appreciate it, Aaron. And you know what? This was such a treat. Please continue to tune into this unbelievable podcast. It's, it's really moving the needle and giving people great insight. So thank you so much. Well, I appreciate the plug. This is Aaron Strout, CMO mm -hmm. W2O group, the, um, host of the what to know podcast show. And I have spent the last 20 minutes with chef Aaron Sanchez as I mentioned up front, an award-winning chef, a uh, James Beard award-winning chef, actually, TV personality, cookbook author, philanthropist, and overall good guy. Uh, thank you all for listening in. Want more episodes of What to Know? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, the podcast app, the Stitcher app, or Spotify, and view the podcast page at w2ogroup.com slash whattoknow.